I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. I can think of one drive. We had the ball up four and uh, on their 40, first and 10. And I think that was the one we ended up with an interception on. And it, you know, So it's one or two plays where if, if we... If we hit a play, uh, leads to points, and and that's this league. That was Nebraska head coach Scott Frost talking about the thin margin that often separates winning from losing in the Big Ten. Thin as it is, it's a gap the Huskers still can't bridge. The 31-28 loss to Northwestern in Ireland was the Huskers' 12th in a row by single digits. Twice, Nebraska built an 11-point lead. Northwestern began to erase the first one after recovering a second-quarter fumble deep in its own territory. Nebraska then navigated a tricky stretch around halftime to build that lead back to 11. Northwestern began to erase that one thanks to what was effectively an elective turnover, the onside kick. This is going to be a little bit of a monologue off the top here, but I, I need to talk about the math of that. The website, the33rdplayer.com, did an analysis of all onside kicks in FBS football from 2014 to 2020. The average recovery rate on those onside kicks was 23.8% for the kicking team. Higher than I would have guessed. And the quote-unquote penalty for not recovering an onside kick wasn't as steep as I expected. Just 1.92 points in expected value. When the kicking team recovers it, and here's the very clear incentive to, to try this, the exchange of possession and field position is worth 5.61 in expected points. The issue is a kicking team, even at that high number, would need to recover 25.6% of all of its onside tries for this decision to have a positive expectation. If those numbers were flipped, if you only needed to recover 23.8% and the average team in college football recovered 25.6%, statistically speaking, Every coach should be onside kicking all the time. People would hate it, but over the long run, a team could expect to score more points that way. But the numbers aren't flipped, so it's a negative expectation play. That's why you most often see it only when teams don't have a choice. Nebraska had a choice. Having rebuilt its 11-point lead, the Huskers had all the momentum and went for the knockout. Frost said he was being aggressive, and it was quite bold. Another way to look at it, the way I look at it, Nebraska tried to take a shortcut to winning the game. It tried to take a shortcut against a team built on not allowing any shortcuts. There are at least four of those in Nebraska's division. Northwestern, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. And I'd say Illinois is trying to get there under Brett Bielema. How do the Huskers keep coming up just short? There are a lot of reasons. 
but Northwestern, but the Northwestern loss and that big, bold decision underscored one potential catch-all explanation. Despite all the angst and agony of going 5-20 and in one-score games since 2018, somehow Nebraska and Frost have not been humbled. In a different context, maybe that lack of humility would be a good thing. It was a good thing at Frost's introductory press conference, right? You take the fight to the opponent. You punch first or some other macho cliche. But that's not Nebraska's current context. It can be tough to swallow for a once mighty program. But is it tougher to swallow than a nearly satirical number of close losses over the last 45 games? Maybe no one play decides a football game. Frost did say one or two. But Nebraska took a risk with a low expectation of success. It gave the Wildcats life. The immediate cost was the fourth season opening loss in five seasons. And the emotional cost significantly larger in a season that has to be different. It wasn't at all in the first game. Is there a long-term cost for a program that, Frost continually says, needs to experience some success so it can build more success? We'll start to find out this week when, though the talent level and setting are vastly different, another No Shortcuts team comes to town. You're listening to the IED Preview Podcast, Huskers Fighting Hawks Edition. I'm Hale Varsity Managing Editor Brandon Vogel. Let's talk some football. Let's kick off the first half of this week's show by briefly looking back at the quote-unquote game film of, of last week's podcast. How did Nebraska do in the three areas that I thought would be key to getting a win over Northwestern? Number one, a week ago, two weeks ago, because I recorded that podcast a little early technically, but was the Blackshirts better be ready to stop the run. And for me, that probably meant less than four yards of carry for a Northwestern offense that doesn't hit four yards of carry all that often. Big miss for the black shirts on that one. Northwestern averaged 4.6 in the win in Ireland. Running backs Evan Hole and Cam Porter rushed for 119 and 94 yards respectively. And the Wildcats offensive line largely did whatever it wanted. A lot to... Uh, address from that first game there for Nebraska defensively. Key number two, you can go back and look at Northwestern's past. I think I went through four seasons and see it's a team you've got to be pretty sharp in the passing game to beat. Casey Thompson in his first start was good for three quarters. To beat Northwestern, a quarterback has needed to complete about 65% of passes over the past four years maybe 63% can get it done occasionally. Thompson was hitting that mark until the fourth quarter. The interceptions, in my view, weren't really his fault, but they still happened. His completion percentage fell into a zone that was good news for Northwestern, 59.5%, and it ended up in a good result for Northwestern. Third key from that Northwestern preview, special teams. Now, this was pretty close to a wash between the two teams. Both missed a field goal. Nebraska's was a desperation long-distance try at the end of the first half, so it's hard to even count that one. Both transfer punters in this game were excellent. Luke Akers, a UCLA transfer, now kicking at Northwestern, was just a tiny bit better than Brian Buschini, but... Nebraska had, should have no complaints about how it punted in that game either. So tiny edge there to the Wildcats. The return game was basically a non-factor for both teams. The biggest difference, that onside kick. On the broadcast, you can see what Nebraska saw. 
there was a hole there, an opportunity. And the kick needed to be about two yards farther towards the sideline. Still, a lot of risk at the wrong time. Nebraska came up short on all three keys. We'll turn our attention now to this week's game, the Huskers' home opener at 2.30 p.m. The game will be telecast on the Big Ten Network. Huskers opened as a 22.5-point favorite on the opening line this week. Some some sports books will wait until a little later in the week often to, to put out a FBS-FCS line, but there was at least one out there. And it was had the Huskers by just over three touchdowns. Typically, look at uh, a couple of power rankings here, SP Plus and FPI. But for this game, we'll go with Sagarin uh, as our comparison because it ranks FBS and FBS and FCS teams in one group, which, if you ask me, is just delightful. Nebraska's 59th in those Sagarin rankings following its loss to Northwestern. North Dakota, making its season debut this week, is 126th. That puts the Hawks ahead of 15 FBS teams entering week one, if you were trying to get a sense of, of where this, this North Dakota team comes in at. They were not ranked in the preseason FCS polls, but pretty good. Um, playing this team in, in this setting, there's some FBS teams out there that you could probably uh, schedule and have a slightly easier go of it. But so it goes. Sagarin would put this line at Nebraska minus 18 and a half. So reflecting a little bit of credit there to, to North Dakota and maybe a little bit of a reaction to what, uh, what the, the algorithm saw from Nebraska in Dublin. Key players in this game, and we'll start with North Dakota, which were some really gloriously matte green helmets that I, that I really enjoy has nothing to do with the players, but just a a slight uniform piece of commentary there. Like those Hawks helmets. Number one for North Dakota, cornerback CJ Siegel. Casey Thompson mentioned him by number, the ultimate sign of football respect as a player who kind of jumps off the film. Quick aside on Casey Thompson here. The guy is a football information junkie. It seems he mentioned, uh, on Tuesday's press conference, Tuesday's pregame press conference, that North Dakota had four players on the roster from Nebraska, three players on the roster from Oklahoma, and I can think of virtually no starting quarterbacks who would know that information. I don't know how you find that information unless you pull up the roster and look specifically for it, which he might have done, or it was listed in, in North Dakota's game notes, but still, I don't know a lot of quarterbacks that are out there reading the game notes. Anyway, Siegel, he's a player Nebraska's going to have to watch out for. He's top 10 at North Dakota in career pass breakups and interceptions. He was third on the team in sacks last year, which tells you they like to get a little bit creative with him. And that's that's a thing with this North Dakota team. They like to, to dial up some, some blitzes and stunts from all over the place. Siegel's a preseason All-Missouri Valley football conference selection. Number two for the Hawks, quarterback Tommy Schuster, number two. He led the MVFC in completion percentage, 65% a year ago, and he's a career 64.8% passer. It's just kind of what he is. He's accurate. He makes strong, solid throws. He kind of navigates their offense at at a pretty high level. So this isn't one where 
Nebraska is going to walk into Memorial Stadium on Saturday and find a, a quarterback who is maybe quaking in his cleats a little bit. Third for the Hawks, I'm going with wide receiver Bo Belquist. There's a couple of defensive players who would also be good selections here, but I'll go with Belquist. He's also second-team preseason All-MVFC. Average more than five catches a game. He's a player I think you'll see a lot. He's kind of Schuster's security blanket a little bit. And with how Nebraska struggled to defend the pass against Northwestern at times, I think it's a, it's a pretty big opening. Uh, I, I think the Hawks are, are going to have to throw the football to, to stay in this game and potentially play for a win late in the game. Um, that's not out of the question by any means. And if they're to do that, Belquist probably has to have a pretty big day. We'll flip over our light-up card to the Nebraska side, where there's never any shortage of options. We all obviously watch this team with intent, <laughs> and you could come up with a list of probably 12 or 13 key players for any given game. But I guess that's what makes it uh, makes it interesting. you gotta got to limit yourself to three. Number one, I'll go with Edge Garrett Nelson. He drew a tough assignment squaring off against left tackle Peter Skaronsky last week against Northwestern, but it was still somewhat shocking to see no real pressure on the Northwestern quarterback. Could be important this week. We'll have more on this a little bit later in the show, but North Dakota ranked third nationally last year, allowing 0.7 sacks per game. And with Nelson, it's maybe even less about production, what Nebraska did or didn't have against the Wildcats a week ago when it came to pass rush. I mean, it's been clear all offseason long just how much Nelson has put into this, his emergence as a leader. Um, I mean, just go back and watch the postgame press conference from Ireland, and, and you can see the toll that it took. It'll be interesting to see how he bounces back because for Nebraska to kind of, I think, recover from the season opening loss and still have a the season it knows it needs to have, which is very much still possible, no matter how bad everyone felt after that game against Northwestern. It's hard for me to foresee that season unfolding if Garrett Nelson isn't a big part of things. Number two, we'll, we'll go to offense. Wide receiver Trey Palmer. It was abundantly clear from the first game that Palmer is Nebraska's top guy at wide receiver. He's going to get a ton of targets and pile up numbers this season. He would have had a massive day last week if he and Thompson connected on just a couple of passes that were there for a taking. That includes a drop and a couple of overthrows. So shared blame there a little bit. Offensive coordinator Mark Whipple loves to have a go-to receiver, a guy that he will just feed the ball to uh, for as much as that receiver can handle. Palmer looks like that guy for Nebraska in 2022. Third on my list of key Huskers, I'm going to go with safety. Marquise Buford Jr., his forced fumble was just an excellent football play. Northwestern in that first half and really throughout the game, you had a good sense of of how the Wildcat drives were going to go just based on the first play. I'd have to go back and pull up the numbers specifically, but it was a big possession in 10 game. And what that means is you can kind of assess a lot of football based on just how the opening plays of drives go. And when Northwestern would pick up, say, one or two yards, those drives tended to dead end. When it'd get 
eight, nine, ten. They had some big gains on first down. Those drives ended in points. I mean, it's it's how it's supposed to work. But the the game against Nebraska was just kind of a classic example. The play on which Buford forced a fumble was one of those. I think it was Cam Porter broke loose, had a nice nearly 20-yard gain. Buford had to make the tackle. He was kind of the last line of defense as a safety. Got crossbody, put his helmet on the football, and Nebraska recovered. Went down the field, scored two plays later, and the 11-point lead was back. It wasn't a perfect debut for Buford, which isn't all that surprising, given this was his first game as a starter. But North Dakota is going to test this pass defense up front on the defensive line and in the back. <clears throat> Nebraska needs to be better. Buford, I think, is going to be a guy you can count on. That'll take us to halftime. Here's meteorologist Rusty Dawkins with the forecast for Nebraska's home opener. You can follow Rusty on Twitter at HuskerWeather and check HaleVarsity.com throughout the week for updates ahead of game day. Hi there, everybody. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins for Hale Varsity. This is the I-80 Preview Podcast Forecast, and we've got a pretty good one coming up on Saturday. North Dakota coming to town, and uh, they're used to the cold weather, and this is not going to be cold weather at all. We are going to see temperatures pretty close to normal, which is the middle 80s for this time of year. Now, if you're tailgating in the morning, we will see temperatures that will start off in the middle 60s early, so a nice cool start uh, by the Late morning, early afternoon, temperatures in the middle and upper 70s. We should see mostly sunny to partly cloudy skies and a little bit of a northeast breeze. Now, kickoff is at 2.30, and that's just uh, getting to be around the peak time for heating uh, this time of year. So we're going to see temperatures around 80 degrees with mostly sunny skies. A northeast wind, 10, 15, maybe 20 miles per hour. By halftime, I think we'll get into the middle 80s. That'll probably be our high for the day. The dew point, though tolerable middle 50s so you and i both know if we get the dew points any higher than that it starts to feel a little more uncomfortable so middle 80s dew points in the middle 50s plenty of sunshine and a northeast breeze at 10 to 20 miles per hour by the fourth quarter middle and maybe the upper 80s but i think we'll stick to the middle 80s mostly sunny to partly cloudy skies and a northeast wind of 5 to 15 miles per hour but this is kind of going to be a sneaky heat if you are going to the game Stay hydrated, lots of water, some sunscreen. If you're sitting in the sun for four hours, even if it's just the middle 80s, that can do some damage. That can uh, lead to some heat-related injuries. So keep that in mind if you're going to be out and about on Saturday. But for any kind of updates, follow my social media pages. That can be found at Husker Weather on Facebook and Twitter. You can also follow me on my personal site. That's Rusty WX on all the social media channels, as well as all the Hail Varsity channels and website. Go Big Red! We'll get the second half under the way here with a look at the game itself. I think we're all aware this is a tricky spot for the Huskers. The promise of a new season was reset to zero, or maybe worse, with the week zero loss. Nebraska's coming back off a long international flight, which if you ever played tackle football at any point, you probably remember just the random aches, bruises, cramping, you had after a football game you're not injured you're fine but it's just you hurt and folding yourself into an airline seat for the next seven hours uh, glad it wasn't me put it that way northwestern not northwestern north dakota meanwhile is playing his first game and has that advantage as with most fcs fbs games there's a, a can't win nature inherent to it nebraska wins by three touchdowns that's just taking care of business 
any less than that only adds concern. It's a tough test for Nebraska. Maybe the right test. So how do the Huskers win this game? Here are the three key areas I'll be keeping a close eye on on Saturday. Number one, the run game. It has to be better. It has to be, has to be different. I think everyone came out of the season opening loss kind of thinking that, but we'll dig into it a little more in a little more detail. The game against Northwestern was the fourth straight game and sixth time in the last 10 games dating back to last season. Nebraska rushed for three and a half yards or fewer per carry. That's not going to get it done, even if it looks like the Huskers will favor the pass under Whipple. The run game against the Northwestern was fairly straightforward, literally and figuratively. The Huskers didn't offer a ton of variety. Most of the runs ended up between the tackles. Nebraska rarely attacked the edge at all. North Dakota is a team Nebraska has to attack out wide. They ran a handful of zone read looks, but Casey Thompson never kept. One of those, if he had, likely would have resulted in a key third down pickup. What's the number to hit here? What's a a fair rushing average to expect for the Huskers? Probably five yards of carry. Nebraska hit that against Fordham and Buffalo a year ago. North Dakota might be better than either of those teams, but the Huskers' run game showing up is the easiest way Nebraska stays in control on Saturday. Key number two, sacking Schuster. North Dakota quarterback Tommy Schuster was only sacked in five games last year. Four of those games were losses. Nebraska needs more out of what should be a good group of edge edge rushers and linebackers overall. In terms of things that shocked me the most from that Northwestern game, the fact that Nebraska's linebackers weren't one of the best groups on the field for either team really surprised me. And I think if Nebraska is to get where it needs to go, that needs to be the case. You've got too much talent and experience there, both at inside linebacker and outside linebacker, which I guess we're calling edge rushers this year, for that to be the case. North Dakota was top five in FES, FCS and fewest sacks allowed last season. The Hawks do only return two full-time starters on the offensive line. There was another guy who was a, a little bit of a flex guy um, and was atop the depth chart or second on the depth chart going into this game. So they're not totally inexperienced, but that group a year ago that really didn't allow many sacks at all, it's, it's got some, some holes to fill. You throw in that UND's top running back last year, All-American Otis Way, was dismissed from the team this offseason. And this should point to a pass-to-win scenario for the Hawks. Problem is, while Schuster is an accurate passer, remember, career completion percentage of about 65%, he's not a volume passer. He topped 30 attempts in a game only once last year. That means Nebraska may not have a, a ton of opportunities for sacks, though... If the Huskers can build a lead and maintain it, uh, you certainly increase the number of pass attempts North Dakota's probably willing to try. But that only makes the potential lack for opportunity for sacks here makes this more telling for me. If the Huskers hit two sacks against the Hawks, that's probably a pretty good sign. And it's not a number the Huskers have hit often over the past, say, one and a half seasons. Third key for me on Saturday, let's look at third down. 
one of the bright spots for Nebraska's offense last week was its conversion rate on third down. Of the 18 FBS teams to play in in week zero, Nebraska's 56.2% conversion percentage ranked second to only North Carolina. As usual with third down, there's more to the story. It was a tale of two halves for the Huskers. Nebraska converted more than 80% of its third downs in the first half because... On average, the Huskers were in a third and 3.5 yards to go. Second half, the average was more than third and eight, and Nebraska converted just 33% of its third down attempts. Third downs, particularly the average distance to go, is usually a pretty good overall health check for an offense or defense. In the first half, Nebraska averaged 8.2 yards per play on first down is how you get to three and a half yards to go on average on third downs, of course. In the second half, Nebraska's first down yards per play came down to 4.9. When Frost said you have to be creative in this league as a play caller, there's a number that might point to what he was talking about. Northwestern won the adjustments game. Maybe the conditioning game, too. A year ago, North Dakota was a strong third down defense. The Hawks ranked 26 nationally, allowing just a 33.6% conversion rate. This should be a tough, hard-nosed North Dakota team. Last year, the Hawks had a lead, or a chance to take the lead, in the fourth quarter of every game in 2021. If that happens again on Saturday, well, (laughs) we know Nebraska's track record here. The Hawks last year lost by six to then number five North Dakota State, lost by three to number four Southern Illinois, and lost by three again to number 12 South Dakota State in the last game of the season. It's, it's not a team pretty similar to Nebraska a year ago. Uh, <clears throat> it was a team that was better than its record, uh, a team that came close a bunch and didn't quite get there, which, which makes for a pretty inst- interesting matchup on Saturday. Um, for Nebraska's perspective, it's <laughs> the more interesting the game is, the worst it's probably going for for the Huskers. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. This, this North Dakota team doesn't give up anything easy. It blocked three punts a year ago, which is something to at least keep an eye on. Nebraska's punting was probably the only unassailable part of that first game against Northwestern. And uh, you got a team that in North Dakota, pretty solid on special teams. You add all that up and even though we're we're down a level in the college football hierarchy it adds up to one thing for me again no shortcuts thank you for listening to the ied preview if you like the show please do your podcast chores rate and review it tell a friend even better if you like this type of football content consider a subscription to hail varsity you can use the promo code i80 at checkout for a discount on your subscription It gets you access to everything we do across all of our various platforms. But first and foremost, it gets you a full year of Hale Varsity Magazine. That's 11 issues over 12 months. Thanks again for listening. A Hoda Media Production.